Today on The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe. We've been thinking of the events at the manger and the personalities at the manger. We thought of Mary certainly at the manger. Uh, we've thought of Joseph at the manger. Now we think of the shepherds who are going to come to the manger at the time, the very time of the birth of our Lord Jesus. Welcome to The Verdict, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor John Monroe. The birth of our Lord Jesus Christ brought together a fascinating group of people to witness this marvelous miracle of God's grace. Today on The Verdict, we're continuing our Christmas study called At the Manger by turning our attention to the curious involvement of the shepherds. So why were they part of the story? Let's find out as we join Pastor John Monroe for today's message. Christmas is only a few days away, and we're focusing on those who were at the manger when Jesus was born. Think of it, the eternal Son of God coming into time and space, and being born not in a palace, but in a stable, and then laid in a manger. Last time we thought of Mary, the pure woman, the mother of Jesus. Previously we thought of Joseph, an honorable man, not the father of Jesus, but a humble man who obeyed God and was used by God to protect his son. But at the manger, there was also a group of people. Who were they? Let's think of that night of the Lord's birth and hear the angels announcing to this group of men the birth of the Savior. And we see them coming to the manger. Night had fallen over the little town of Bethlehem in Judea. And uh, there were shepherds that night Uh, watching their flocks in the fields surrounding Bethlehem. Jerusalem uh, is only about five miles away, not much to us, but a lot in those days as you had to walk uh, over a kind of trail. And uh, these shepherds knew of Jerusalem because no doubt the lambs from their flocks were, some of them would have been taken there uh, for the sacrifices in the temple. But there they were that night, possibly It was a cold night, we don't know, and they may have had a little fire that they were gathering around. They were in Bethlehem. Bethlehem was a little town, but it did have an impressive history. Rachel, the wife of Jacob, was buried at Bethlehem. You may remember that Ruth and Boaz fell in love in the fields of Bethlehem. And most important of all, Israel's king, its greatest king, King David, Uh, was born in Bethlehem. Uh, Bethlehem was the hometown of David, and most of us love our hometown. And David loved his hometown. And one day, David, as a mature man, as a warrior, he's far away from Bethlehem, and uh, he's being pursued, and he's fighting against the Philistines, and he expresses a wish as he's surrounded by some of his mighty men, and he says, it'd just be wonderful if I got a drink Uh, from the well of Bethlehem. It wasn't a command, but out of love and loyalty to their commander, uh, three of the mighty men heard that wish from David, burst through the Philistine line, went to Bethlehem, got water from the well, went back through the line of the Philistines and brought that drink from the well of Bethlehem to David. David was so moved by the love, the courage, the loyalty of his men that he said he couldn't possibly drink it. And he he poured it out as an offering. 
uh, to the Lord. Bethlehem. Bethlehem certainly had a lot of history, but over the years it appeared that it became more and more insignificant. A great history, but in a sense a bit forgotten. So about 700 years before the birth of the Messiah, one of the prophets, a man called Micah, you can read it in Micah chapter 5 verse 2, wrote this amazing prophecy. Here it is. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrata, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth the one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth is from of old, from ancient days, from everlasting. What a prophecy. That from this little town of Bethlehem, albeit it had a spectacular history, but now it was just another of the many little towns in Judea. From that town, that little town of Bethlehem, the Messiah was going to be born. I didn't say when he was going to be born, but the prophecy is clear that the one who is from old, from ancient times, from everlasting, the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. And now on this night, this unforgettable night, this first Christmas night, that ancient prophecy is now being fulfilled. On that most holy, that most memorable nights at Bethlehem, events were going to take place which have altered the course of human history so that the world has never been the same since this event took place. What was happening? Heaven was coming to earth. And these shepherds, these humble shepherds, these ordinary men who were there in what they thought was just another uh, night's work as they were watching their flocks, we're going to have the most remarkable experience ever. And we're going to read about it in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. So this is the word of God to us. I realize there may be familiar uh, words to some of you. Perhaps some of you are hearing them for the first time. But wherever they are, can you listen to the words? Don't gloss over and say, well, I know that. Here is the living word of God coming to you and to me. Luke 2 verse 8, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, 
pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. I want to look at this very simply. As we're so close to Christmas, we've been thinking of the events at the manger and the personalities at the manger. We've thought of Mary certainly at the manger. Uh, we've thought of Joseph at the manger. Now we think of the shepherds who are going to come to the manger at the time, the very time of the birth of our Lord Jesus. At the manger, we're going to learn there is hope. There is hope. And so we read of these shepherds, they're watching their flocks by night. Night had fallen over the little town in, in Bethlehem. As I said, they may have lit a small fire. And then suddenly, without any warning, suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds. And we read that the glory of the Lord shone around them, transforming that little hillside, these ordinary fields around the little town of Bethlehem, transforming that from blackness to inexpressible light. Not one of us here has seen the glory of the Lord like that, but they did. We know when the tabernacle, the tent, the place of worship that Moses was instructed to build as the people were going to go through the wilderness. We read that at the end of Exodus, when the tabernacle was built, the place of worship, when it was built exactly according to the commands given to Moses by the Lord, when it was completed, we read that the glory of the Lord, the Shekinah of glory, filled the tabernacle, signifying the presence of the Lord. That's where the Lord was, in the Holy of Holies. And his glory signified his presence. Think of this glory. This glory which shone around ordinary shepherds. What was happening? God was coming to earth. Emmanuel, God with us. And we read in verse 9, not surprisingly, and they were filled with great fear. Wouldn't you be? Doesn't surprise us. Who could stand in the presence of the Lord? When Isaiah came into the temple and saw the glory of the Lord, he said, woe is me. Although he was a prophet, he spoke the word of God. He said, I'm a, a man of unclean lips. In the presence of the glory of the Lord, he's aware of his own sinfulness. And the shepherds certainly had never seen anything like this. They'd never been into the Holy of Holies. Dirty, unkept shepherds, as it were. And when they saw the glory of the Lord, they probably were expecting, don't you think, they were expecting the judgment of God. They were insignificant shepherds. They weren't priests, certainly not high priests. And uh, shepherds find it rather difficult to keep themselves clean. I mean, if God was going to speak to them, wouldn't it be a message of judgment, a message of condemnation, a message of doom? Don't you think? What do you think? If an angel of the Lord came into your home, what do you think? an angel of the Lord would say, if the angel came into your place, 
of employment have appeared to you. I think like the shepherds, all of us would be very, very afraid because here we are, sinful men and women in the presence of complete and utter holiness and purity, inexpressible light, the glory of the Lord shining around us because unless we're terribly deceived, all of us are spiritually dirty. We are sinful people. And the Bible makes that very clear. The Bible describes our spiritual struggles and failures in, in various ways. It says, it uses the analogy of being trapped in a sea of mud. And the more we try to extricate ourselves, the deeper we fall in the mud. It pictures us uh, being in a pit with high, high walls. And we find it impossible to get out of that dungeon. It's too high and we're too deep the Bible pictures us as people who are ill on the point of death. The Bible pictures us as it were in prison and uh, there's no sign of a release. The, the Bible pictures us as lost and we can't find our way home. We're, we're confused, we're in the, in the darkness. And it is to such people that the message, the angel comes and notice what the message is. It is not one of condemnation. It is not one of judgment. It is not a message of doom. It is a message of hope. How the shepherds must have rejoiced when the first words out of the mouth of the angel was, verse 10, the angel said to them, fear not, fear not. You ever been afraid? Of course you have. Little children know fear, fear of the dark, fear of a bad dream, fear of a, a nightmare as we get older and face the reality of, of life. All of us know about fear, fear of failure, fear, fear of losing our job, fear of a marriage falling apart, a fear of being alone, a fear of having some terrible illness, fear of the judgment of God. But here is a wonderful message from heaven to earth. To ordinary men, fear not. And as far as the shepherds can see, around them the hills are filled with thousands of angels saying what? Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. A message of hope, a message of peace, yes, a message of transformation. Notice, fear not, said the angel, for behold, I bring you good news. The gospel is good news, good news of great joy. Not sure if I know the difference between joy and great joy, but the fact is this is a message of tremendous, indescribable joy that will be for all the people. Aren't you glad the angel said for all the people? Not just the shepherds, not just to Israel, not just to a certain class of people, not to a certain nationality, but it is for all the people. I want you to take that message very personally today. Do you hear it? That the message from heaven to earth that we hear at Christmas as we come to the manger is a message of hope, is a, is a message of fear 
not. In my life, I've come across people, not infrequently, who think that their life is doomed, that some terrible thing has happened to them, and they feel life has been unfair. Perhaps they've created their own problem. Perhaps it's been inflicted by others, by circumstances, by abuse, or whatever it is, unfairness, injustice, and people are sad. Some of them are in despair. Some of them are despondent. Uh, they are in fear. They're, they're, uh, they live isolated lives, lives of hopelessness. And we're told by the social scientists that this problem of hopelessness of anxiety, of depression, is more and more frequent in our society when we have so much. When this, we would say, is one of the greatest countries in the world to live, and yet in our society there are more and more people who live in a kind of hopelessness, in a kind of depression, in a kind of disappointment, in a kind of fear, fear. Some of you here like this. Now what God is saying to you today so we believe this is living. This is the living word of God. Do you hear it? Fear not. You say, John, you don't know my life. It's all right for you. Life is pretty easy for you. I'm not sure how we compare one another's lives, but life is tough for all of us sometimes, isn't it? Who has not gone through difficult times? But I can say to you, whatever your circumstances, it may be very, very problematic. And from a human perspective, there may not be a solution. And you may feel hopelessness. And you may feel despair. Can I say to you in the authority of Scripture, God is saying to you today, fear not. As we come to the manger, there is hope. We sang a couple of weeks ago. Joy to the world. Why? The Lord has come. Without the Lord, without that message from heaven to earth, yes, our life is totally meaningless. Our life is hopeless. Our life is despairing. We might as, as well end our life. I mean, what's the point of it all? But God is saying to us, there's hope. There's hope. I don't know what your future is, but when you have Christ in your heart, as you come to the manger, and as you look at your life, I want to say there is hope. This is a message I have to tell myself. This is a message I need to be reminded of, that God is saying to you and to me, come to the manger, look at Christ. For you, there is hope. There is also the manger, and this is related to the first. There is salvation. What's the message? Verse 11. Why is there hope? I mean, is this just some kind of psychological trick we play on ourselves to get through life? Not at all. This is reality, verse uh, 11. Why is there hope? For unto you is born, think of it, unto you. He's talking to shepherds. Not just to shepherds, but to all people, to you and me. The message is, unto you is born this day in the city of David, Bethlehem, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Christ is on a rescue mission. As I speak to people, I, I think the majority of people don't understand that. If I asked average person in Charlotte, why did Jesus come? 
Many would say, well, he came to be a great example. Yes, he is the perfect example. He's not just an example. He is the example. But the problem is, the example of Jesus is too high for any of us to keep. Do you really think you could live like Jesus? You can put on your car, what would Jesus do? Or put a little band around your wrist and try and say, well, I'm going to live as Jesus lived. I guarantee you cannot do it. Why did he come? To be a social reformer? Well, he certainly was cultural, countercultural. He advocated social change, that is right. But Jesus is much more than a social reformer. Jesus is concerned not just with the external, not just reorganizing society, not just reorganizing religion, as it were. He deals fundamentally with the heart. Why did he come? You say to be a great healer? Yes, he was a great healer. He gives sight to the blind. He could heal a leper. Most impressive of all, he could raise the dead. Ah, but he's much more than a great healer. Why did he come? To be a great teacher, he was the best teacher. He was the perfect teacher. As they listened to him, they marveled at the gracious words which proceeded from his lips. They marveled that he taught with authority and not like the scribes and Pharisees. His teaching was so brilliant that he could communicate with the youngest of children and speak to scholarly intellectuals. He was the greatest of teachers, but don't we need someone who can change us? Not just tell us what to do. We need more than a teacher. We need more than a healer. What do we need? The angel gives us the answer. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior. That's what we need, that Jesus comes from heaven to earth on a rescue mission. His very name, we thought of this when we thought of Joseph two or three weeks ago, is Jesus. Why? Why Jesus? For he will save his people from their sins. He comes to save. He comes to rescue us. And he comes right to where we are. You're listening to The Verdict with Pastor John Monroe. Today's message is titled, The Worshiping Shepherds. And we'll continue with part two when we come back next time. In the meantime, feel free to visit our website at theverdict.org. Even as we near Christmas, there are many people struggling to find peace and security in their lives. Feelings of fear, doubt, and loneliness can seem crippling. That's why we'd like to send you a special booklet from John titled, Eternal Security, Finding Certainty in a Chaotic World. Learn a bit of John's personal testimony as he carefully examines Scripture to give you clarity on your doubt and questions about faith. Find the source of true hope and peace by understanding God's plan for salvation. This resource is completely free by mail or download. So request the Eternal Security Booklet today at theverdict.org. Here at The Verdict, we're committed to sharing and teaching biblical truth on a daily basis. And we invite you to be a part of this gospel work by supporting our ministry with a financial gift of any amount. When you give, you help make these programs possible in your community and around the world. So please make an end-of-the-year donation online at theverdict.org or call us at 833-551-2231. 
You can also send a check in the mail. Just address your envelope to The Verdict, Care of Calvary Church, 5801 Pineville Matthews Road, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28226. Now, here's Pastor John Monroe. Well, what's your verdict? Wouldn't you have loved to have been at the manger that first Christmas? To see our Lord Jesus Christ as a baby lying in the manger. To see Mary and Joseph and these worshipping shepherds. It's interesting that God chose to include shepherds. Humble, ordinary men out in the fields watching over their flocks in what they would have thought was just another routine night. But it was anything but. And the whole hillside was going to be illumined with the glory of God. Thanks for joining us today on The Verdict. I'm Michelle Davies. Today's program with Pastor John Monroe was produced and sponsored by Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina.